Welcome to the Modern MBA podcast with Marie Kerwin and Kristen Rossi. Our mission is to help MBAs coming from, going into, or merely considering more unorthodox career paths. We're a community to find inspiration and share stories. Today we're speaking with Frederick Sonbon, an accomplished consultant, entrepreneur, and fellow podcaster of the Invest in You podcast, who used his MBA to launch a multitude of successful entrepreneurial ventures around the globe. My name is Frederick Sandvall. I'm born in Sweden and I did my MBA at uh, Lancaster University in United Kingdom. Wonderful. Okay. Um, and so you mentioned you were originally from Sweden. Um, what was it that made you choose to study in the UK and also why an MBA as well? I thought it would be a great time to do a almost like an exchange, but instead of doing like a semester, I did a whole uh, extra master year. So I didn't need it, but I really wanted to do the MBA. And the reason why I ended up in England is mainly because of my wife. And she's got great interest in England since many, many years. And uh, uh, since I was going to do this with my whole family along, I've spent also the choice of university and location became even more important than if it just would have been myself. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so you did your MBA. Um, it was over 10 years ago now. Is is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. And so you've since used it as um, to essentially create a sort of entrepreneurial path for, your, for yourself. Can you sort of talk us through your career um, from the MBA um, up to date now? Absolutely. So super short about before the MBA, I had a number of years with the military and also as an entrepreneur. Moving on to post the MBA, I went straight into a higher position. So even before I had graduated, I had the job lined up in management consulting linked to organizational development and things like that, which brought me all over the world. So yeah, that was like the first job. And I had that for roughly three years and climbed from consultant all the way to partner level. And uh, when I've kind of done that little tick in the box, I left for another consulting company and uh, did the same journey there from uh, senior consultant all the way to partner again. And then once I had done that, I actually left being uh, employed. So yeah, management consulting for a number of years. I really, really enjoyed that. I did make the transition maybe half year earlier than I would have would have ideally done, but it worked really good as a launch pad into being my own boss with all that that entails. And can I ask, you mentioned sort of um, reaching partner at one consulting firm and then switching firms and sort of doing that over again. What was it that what was it that kind of made you um, made you change between the two? Uh, it was mainly linked to something as immature as the ultimately the performance versus the pay. I thought that I was doing more than I got paid for and contributed a lot more to the business than that I could see in my salary package, which meant that I could just easily just do exactly the same with a, another consulting firm and uh, see a, a stronger link between the two. No, for sure. That makes sense. And I think a lot of us can um, could could relate to that as well. Um, 
And so tell us a bit about your MBA experience. Um, what was it like? Um, and what skills do you feel that the MBA gave you for your new path? I was already very much an international manager from having worked in many, many countries before the MBA and also after the MBA. And so much so that I even got a scholarship. So I had half my tuition paid because of my past experiences, which I brought to the class. Uh, my experience was really positive. It's a very international class in Lancaster. We were, my year, 75 students from 25 countries. So very diverse crowd. I really enjoy that. And with a diverse crowd means you also take learning from big parts of the world. Uh, the curriculum also really suits my own interests. And uh, I liked, I think, the advanced leadership one was the one I enjoyed the most. Uh, strategy was also really great. And the Lancaster MBA, uh, promoting them a bit, they've got a quite action-oriented one. And even very early, so they had a lot of real consulting into the industry, which I really enjoyed. And that was also one reason why I picked them in the first place, because at the time, that was quite rare. Brilliant. So, yeah, we've talked about your MBA experience. So now you've really used that to transition into being an more of an entrepreneur. So as an entrepreneur, this is quite broad, but what challenges have you faced and, and how have you overcome them? I would like to say that the first one that most people go into their own business, whatever that might be, is people need to dare and need to find a way to sell whatever that might be that they are selling. So that, that is a very big challenge. And since there is no pure sales curriculum as part of the MBA that's something that goes into like the human nature how to communicate with others so yeah the sales thing is a missing piece in the MBA puzzle which you can learn in other ways so that's that's a big one uh, the to have the MBA whole curriculum that's basically what you're doing in any kind of business but normally you are put into one specific field, which means like you might focus only, I mean, I know marketing uh, is one of your interests, uh, Marie. Uh, so then you can really drill down into that. But when you're running a business, especially a smaller one, you have a lot of different hats. So that's why the MBA curriculum really comes into practice if you can still recall those small skills. So yeah, that's going to be great. Plus also the MBA as a platform to find connections, uh, maybe even customers, is also invaluable. I've been working with many of my former MBA friends uh, also after the MBA in different ways and shapes. And I actually had some text messages from uh, a friend as late as yesterday. That's 12 years post-graduation and we were discussing career advice and investment tactics. So yeah, uh, the bond can be quite strong. How did you teach yourself more about that as it's not in the MBA curriculum as such? No, you're absolutely right. And that was also very much linked to my career choice there with climbing fast in consulting. That's a strong link there to business development. So if you're good at client relationships and especially new business and retaining them, that means you can climb so much faster. And often you cannot reach director or partner level in, in a larger consulting firm unless you can bring also some business uh, to your uh, company and uh, and i didn't really express what i was working with post leaving my employment either so i had one consultant company where i did a consultant job but i also had a company which focused on real estate so we have 
a number of properties. So I, as part of my last year as employee, uh, we started to buy a number of assets which we have been working with ever since and still today. In 2018, you started the Invest in You podcast with your sons. Can you share with us a little bit more about this endeavor and the inspiration? Absolutely. So even before that, we had something we call it Junior MBA. Uh, so that's funny with, with your name of your podcast. So we had a Facebook platform where we had, we still today have many, many thousands of followers there where we share MBA knowledge, but understandable for younger audience. So basically the, the MBA curriculum through the lens of a younger entrepreneur. So that's very much where we start. So when we launched that, my two kids, they were just 10 and 12. And later when we moved that content more into the podcast world, they were just 11 and 13. And now a few years on, they are older, obviously. We've had really great guests. Now, why did we do it? Uh, my two sons are along for the journey more than the, the massive driving force. So what do I mean by that? When they are teaching others, they le- learn a lot more themselves. So by being there interviewing really great people, uh, interesting people, people who have got life experience, they listen different to them than they might from me. So basically, I'm using the whole podcast for my children's sake and for the wider audience sake but it's it's a great combination of them learning and doing at the same time so they're both not at all afraid of a video camera or a mic in their face and they're just teenagers uh, same with interviewing a millionaire and billionaire they both have done that so that's like the family aspect but of course we have been listened to in 118 countries many many tens of thousands of of episodes listen to and that's just humbling when you see the scale how a small 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 initiative with the power of social media can grow into something which actually can help lots and lots of people so i find it really great and i love to help others uh, not only my own children but also through mentoring coaching and teaching so that's why to have a podcast for me is a great platform to help a lot more people than just the traditional one-to-one so i, I love the concept and uh, really happy that my two sons, whenever I get them on the podcast, are also really motivated when they are in front of the mic. It's true. When you hear from someone else, you learn so much more. And we even said that for this podcast. Actually, we love doing this podcast. We like helping others, but we learn so much too. And yeah, it's really, it's really lovely, actually, what, what you've done. So we like, to, we, we like to help tens of thousands of younger people to dare to take a step into entrepreneurship and also to make that more successfully than they would have done without us. Yeah, no, it, it's great. I think especially that key there about for young people really being brave to take the step because I think, I, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit optimistic, but I really do believe that with, with being an entrepreneur, it's just a matter of how many times can you dare to fail because eventually you'll make it if you just keep trying. And I think the younger you, you have that mentality, you gain that mentality and start trying the better really because it gives you more time to fail <laughs> yeah exactly and the stakes are not as high when you are very young uh, later you might have a lot of dependencies and uh, it's more complicated so yeah the earlier the better and and also the whole la- la- labor market it's not the same i mean 
it's changed even during the time when you did your own MBAs that the the world is very different today. So you live between the UK and Sweden. Are there any tips you have for entrepreneurs looking to do business across borders on a glo- or on a global level? Okay, yes, you do need to have a work permit and visa in many countries, depending on where you're born and which passports you have got. But in the end of the day, what I did for many years while I was consulting is I thought about where do I want to go? And there I was just working backwards. Like, okay, how how can I get to South Africa? And getting someone else to pay for the travel, uh, travel time, accommodation, nice food, and work with smart people. uh, And uh, and also have some extra holiday over there. How can I just do that? And, And one way to do that is actually to sell consulting services so i've probably been i've been working in more than 45 countries so i've lost track right now and and, uh, and that's been all the way from far very far areas like australia china south america north america all, all over and in africa as well so i've been in so many interesting places and been able to combine having work some work tasks and assignments and then also some time off so i've used my job often as a springboard to get me to interesting places but well, that ultimately meant that i have to find a reason to go somewhere to for example sell a service to an international company uh, in my case for example deutsche telecom that brought me to 15 plus countries in terms of delivering the service and then also having people who refer you and want you to come back uh, is also another great way of course because it means People move around. If they are happy customers who now have climbed the ladder, they might have changed company, they might even have changed country. All of a sudden, now you've got another reason to go and visit people. And also you can visit your MBA friends when you are traveling. And I often do. It's really, really true. And that leads us perfectly into the final question. Um, as are there any final tips that you have for MBAs considering starting their own venture post-MBA? Yeah, try to sell before you go too far. So you don't need to spend many years of planning, designing a product or service which might not be sellable. So try to sell early. If you have the first 10 people that actually have committed and said, yes, we will pay for this, whatever that might be, then you are onto something. If you just dig very deep and invent something, then you might struggle to sell that later just to take a couple of examples from my direct business so uh, a company called crowd with us a uh, great team uh, and uh, and i helped them basically just to accelerate how they could go to market by pulling some of the marketing levers uh, network opening some doors which meant that they over the short time i've been working with them they have more than tenfold their value They've done all the hard work. I've just been hinting some things. Obviously, the great team has done most of the everything, but some sometimes your MBA skills can be really multiplied in organizations. Uh, so almost like a st- strategic advisor. And, and, and that's tough to be that advisor to oneself. So that's why to have a peer group or a business partner or some kind of mastermind when you're setting up your businesses can be really helpful. So you don't need to do everything on your own. And then also, even if uh, other podcasters, for example, Tim Ferriss has written about like the four-hour work week, it is not realistic to think that you could be an entrepreneur on four hours a week. Usually it's 
longer hours than when you're employed and it's usually less paid, but usually for either a greater co- cause or purpose or being your own boss or that you try to build something which you eventually can sell. And uh, talk about the last thing there, selling a business. The day you set up a business, you can even have in mind who would actually like to buy my company. And I work on a couple of different management buyouts and really purposefully growing a company as an asset so that it will have a value for someone else so someone else can actually buy it. And that is something most entrepreneurs miss. It becomes like a lifestyle business which has got virtually zero value to someone else. So the the perfect uh, fancy exit is not anything more than a pipe dream. Those are really, really good tips, actually. They're really good, especially about the building, building with always keeping in mind that you might want to sell it. That's a really valuable tip. Yeah, yeah. And if you do that, then you have a better business as well. It's more more transparent. You have more systems. And ultimately, in most of my companies, I try to make myself redundant. Why? So that I can focus on something else which might be next. And uh, it can only do that if you have systems, teams, and if you plan for it. That's all from today's Modern MBA podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Marie. If you like this episode, remember to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. You can get access to articles and more great content by visiting our website, themodernmba.co.uk, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at The Modern MBA, and Twitter at MBA Modern. And aside from Apple Podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next time, bye! Bye!